Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is Bunny Michael. Connecting to your higher self is an unlearning process. Unlearning the conditioning of our culture that raised us to believe we have to prove ourselves to belong. Success, fulfilling relationships, self-acceptance, inner peace— All of that begins when we realize that that is what we deserve, what we've always deserved. Aligning with your higher self is an awakening process and it is no easy feat. But as you will learn from the callers on this podcast, our journeys might look different, but our path is the same. Welcome to EXO Higher Self. Hello, my loves. Welcome to episode 106. I hope you're hanging in there, feeling good, feeling safe. As I record this, it is a day before a major lunar eclipse. Um, It's the day before the midterm elections. The energy is heavy, and I'm sure a lot of you might be feeling it. Obviously, when you hear this, it's going to be after election day. Who knows what's going on? The world has been very chaotic and it seems like never-ending stuff, right? Never-ending things happening in the news, never-ending issues, never-ending things to be afraid of. You know, every time I open up my phone and look at the news, it's just like headline after headline of things that we should be worried about and scared of and just so much fear, so much fear. And it's really easy to get swept up in that because obviously we care. We care about the planet. We care about the suffering of other people. We care about this country. We care about our neighbors, our family, our friends, ourselves. We want to feel safe. Yes. So it's really easy to get swept up in it and just worry about every single outcome that could happen. But What is important to remember is that we are here on this planet at this very, very important time to bring love to this planet. And when you're in a constant state of fear and worry and anxiety, it's very, very difficult to access that wisdom of love that's within you, that connection to your higher self. Your higher self isn't this part of you that says, oh, everything's going to be fine. No, your higher self is the vision to understand that no matter what happens, you adapt and you let love guide you forward. Let love shine the light forward. How love helps you get through whatever is on your plate. Our world is up and down. Our personal lives are up and down. Relationships up and down. It's never always the same. I mean, if you look at look at the way the planets move, I mean, if you're really into astrology, it's like there are things, circumstances, energy that is out of our control. We can't control what happens, but what we can control is trusting that love always guides us exactly where we need to be and what we need to do. And remembering that 
we are part of all creation. And everybody on this planet, even the ones that are misguided in their direction, all they really want is to be loved. All they really want is to feel lovable. That's at the heart of all of this stuff. And the more we realize that we're lovable and the more we see the love in other people, the closer we are to healing this stuff. And no, it might not happen in our lifetime, but we're here at this time to bring that energy, that state of consciousness. We're shifting it just by being ourselves and letting ourselves stand in that truth. So I hope that you're voting or you voted. Sorry, I'm voting tomorrow. And yeah, I'm just sending you so much love. We're in this together. Let's get to the questions. Hi, Bunny. Um, My name is Rashida. I'm in California. It's just weird. Like I woke up. I first thought about asking um, anyone this before, their thoughts on it. But I woke up and it's like 5.51 a.m. where I am. And it just popped into my head. But basically, so ever since I've become a bit more like, um, I guess, like, you know, spiritual or like kind of like, accepting the thoughts of there being like, um, you know, like ancestors, like, and like your higher self and like, um, like the spirit world and stuff like that. Um, and like spirit guides and stuff. I've had like this hard time whenever like it comes to like anything sexual with myself. Um, whether that's like um, masturbation or like thinking of someone or thinking about that with myself or like having, you know, sex with another person. Like I feel like I'm doing something bad. Like I'm not sure if it's like because when I um, when I lost both my dad and my grandma in my life, it was during like, you know, when I was young, like, you know, my dad at 13 and my grandma at about 17. And so, like, I just feel like there's, like, I'm not sure if it's, like, I'm, um, like, should still appear to be that innocent or something. But I just, you know, feel guilty and I'm, like, trying to see if anyone has, if you have any advice on, um, like getting through that and allowing myself to, you know, feel pleasure fully without feeling guilty once I'm finished, (laughs) once I'm doing something. I'm not sure if that, you know, if that question like um, came out well or if you have any advice on like ways to kind of like get through that because, I mean, it's part of our human experience. So like, I mean, I'm sure they're aware that that's normal, but I just don't know how to, like, get through that because I always feel very guilty once I'm finished. And it sometimes, like, it does, I feel like I uh, am not able to reach the most amount of, like, 
pleasure or like presence that I can in moments like that. Um, so it is, I don't like that I do that. It's, uh, Hey baby got cut off in the end, but I definitely got the gist of the question. I think, first of all, I want to say there is nothing wrong with feeling feelings of guilt or shame. It's very common, especially for people who are socialized as women to have those feelings because we're talking about thousands of years of conditioning that sex or sexual pleasure outside of procreation is shameful, is a sin, is something to feel guilty about. And the entire Western culture is so much large, so largely based on that point of view because we come from such a long history of Christian doctrine, um, Christian political control, traditional fundamental beliefs that for many, many years said that any sexual experience or expression outside of procreation with your married partner is a sin. And even that our bodily functions are sinful. And this is getting kind of into like a more deeper historical thing, but a lot of people attribute that to St. Augustine's interpretation of the story of Genesis, where you know, it was the story of the fall, right? And it was like the sin of um, Eve to bite the apple. And and that since then, uh, we have been punished as humanity to feel a sense of shame and, and stuff like that. But what St. Augustine said was that lust was evil because lust was this bodily function that we couldn't control. So say, for example, you could, you can move your arm, right? If you, you decide if your arm moves or if your hand moves, right? But our sexual organs, our sexual function can sometimes not be in our control. So it was like this whole idea about lust being this like punishment that we have to endure as punishment from God, that there's this like uncontrollable evil about us. And that's what lust is. And so lust became this like evil thing for so long. And yes, you know, if you look at mainstream culture now, it's not, we don't think that way anymore, but it really wasn't that long ago. And there's still plenty of places in the world and plenty of people who do. And so we've, we receive all these messages about that culturally in our environment, um, even, you know, passed down to us like intergenerational trauma and stuff like that, like this shame about sexual pleasure or, or sexual thinking, you know, it, it, it's really, really intense. And, and it got to the point where even thinking dirty thoughts or even thinking thoughts of lust was bad. So people were punishing themselves or thinking that they're going to go to hell for even having thoughts, not even doing the thing, but even thinking about it. And they'd have to confess it, you know, like they, in order to get into heaven. And I mean, this is like deep, deep stuff, right? This is like so many layers of, of shame and of fear. It, it really is about 
so much fear about being inherently wrong, about there's being something fundamentally wrong with you for having these feelings. And even back in the day, this isn't just religious stuff, right? Like during, uh, I think it was, I think it was like the 1800s, uh, late 1800s, maybe early 1900s. There was all of this supposed scientific um, theory or uh, medical theory that actually masturbation in men could lead to illness and possibly death. Like there was this whole campaign um, where doctors would tell (laughs) men that they could get sick and possibly die for wasting their semen. Uh, And there would be these like pamphlets and show like (laughs) an illustration of a of a, a drawing of like a man who was like sick in bed and it was like, you know, wasted his semen or something like that. Like I saw an image, a, a little advertisement from. So yeah, it's not just religion, right? It's culture. It's our it's our culture. And and that's why, you know, a lot of people, even in their own personal sexual lives, like separate desire from love, you know, because they think desire is is an antithetical to love and respect. And there's this really great book. I've definitely talked about it on the podcast before by Esther Perel called Marriage and Captivity. And she, and she talks a lot about how there's a lot of people because of the our views about sex who separate desire from sex and they end up, you know, in the book, like there's these husbands who cheat on their wives because they say, oh, well, you know, I can't like fuck my wife because I love her, you know, like, so I have a hard time fucking her because I love my wife. And it's the psychology that like love and purity and goodness is somehow separate from sexual pleasure. And it's really like so backwards, right? We were created with these bodies, these feelings, these minds, and we were created to experience pleasure. And it's our God-given right <laughs> to be able to do that. Um, and there's nothing shameful about it. And there's no reason to feel guilty for expressing ourselves that way. And our relationship to our erotic eroticism is a very personal, intimate, and I believe sacred relationship. I think it's a very sacred thing to be in touch with that form of an experience. Even when you masturbate, you know, I think it's a beautiful, sacred thing. And this might be a little TMI, but sometimes when I am having feelings of like shame and I notice that stuff kind of creeping in, I do this thing where (laughs) I can't believe I'm telling this podcast, but sometimes when I'm about to have an orgasm, I envision in my mind a flower. I envision in my mind this like beautiful, very big flower opening up to the sun. And it's like right in my mind's eye, like right as I'm about to, you know, and it kind of, I don't, it started, I started doing that when I, when I was getting more in touch with my 
spirituality and my healing and trying to, you know, do what you're doing and trying to heal these things and, you know, change these patterns and these thoughts and bringing it back to nature. It was like the the flower reminded me that like, I have a flower in between my legs, my beautiful flower. And it's just as beautiful and sacred as the sexuality of all the other creatures and, and all the other um, you know, living things on this earth and that we're nature and that's all that's really happening. You know, we're just these beautiful creatures that get to experience all of the joy of who we are. So the process of, of healing that stuff, it's a process. And when those thoughts come up, it's nothing to judge yourself about or to even be scared of. It's just something to notice. Okay. Like this is a situation where I start to feel guilty. Maybe afterwards I start to feel guilty. Okay. So when those guilty feelings came up, come up, what can I tell myself instead? You know, can I have some kind of mantra, some kind of affirmation? Like my sexual expression is sacred and beautiful. Something even that simple. Just to remind yourself. Another book I want to recommend, I'm talking about books so much this episode, I'm not really sure why, (laughs) is a book that was recommended by a listener during a listener response a few episodes ago. It's called Come As You Are by Emily Nagowski. And after that listener recommended it, I read it and it's amazing. And it talks so much about our anatomy and why we feel shame and it's so educational and it's 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 just so good especially if you are have ever struggled with owning your sexual pleasure or feel shame about it and it's just it's so informative honestly i can't i can't exaggerate how helpful it's been for me too so definitely pick up that book and just remember like this is a process this is what we're doing here we're unlearning our stuff Okay, we all have this stuff because we've all been raised in this world and socialized this way. And it takes time. It takes time to let go of those thoughts. It's not about judging ourselves for having them. It's about noticing them, slowly replacing them, implementing self-care. So we're in a, a state of mind where we remember this path and how important it is and who we really are so we can continue doing this work and you're doing amazing you really really are you got this hello exo higher self fam it's bunny here i am so thrilled to announce my debut book Hello Higher Self, an outsider's guide to loving yourself in a tough world is now available for pre-order. This book is the essential manual for unlearning your limiting beliefs that have been ingrained in you by the toxicity of our culture and your trauma and your socialization. We all have to unlearn this stuff so we can channel the power of our higher self and everyone who pre-orders this book will receive a special free gift from me to be announced shortly. So hurry to the pre-order link in the show notes and get yourself a copy. I cannot wait for you to read it.
I wanted to start this off by saying um, I love your podcast. I have been subscribed to it for almost a year now. And I'm so, so thankful that, you know, you exist and that this you created this amazing um, podcast because it has honestly changed the lives of so many people and you have no idea. Um, but um, I just wanted to um, actually come in and give a question. Um, or rather ask for your insight on a current situation that I'm going through. So to give context, um, I was played. <laughs> it's really embarrassing, but that's like the best way I can describe it. Um, I was talking to someone and, you know, we were um, hitting it off. I told him that, you know, I was very interested in him. He said the same. We were talking for a while, and we had been friends before for a while. Um, and, well, these feelings of jealousy came up because there was this girl who was flirting with him. And, well, although I was jealous, I knew that it had nothing to do with her and nothing to do with him and more to do with me but I still looked at his reaction um, because I wanted to confirm that you know me and him were serious as he had said before um, well I did not get the confirmation that I had hoped for um, what ended up happening was um, she was flirting with him and I found out that he had given um, the girl chocolates and um, showed up to her house in the middle of the night with them. Um, and I had never gotten anything from him. And so I obviously felt um, confused and played. I was like, wow, like, you know, we had been talking for um, almost a month, you know, you show up to Gross's houses at the middle of the night with chocolate, but I never got anything from you, I don't understand. Um, so I was very upset by this, um, and I told him that um, it made me angry, the fact that he never gave me anything, but yet a girl that he quote-unquote feels nothing for is given chocolates in the middle of the night, and yet I was not given anything ever from him. And so it made me feel upset because I'm like, oh, so he can go out of his way to do things, but not for me. Like, that's what it felt like. And so, you know, I was angry, and I let him know how I felt, and he said, um, I'm sorry it made you feel that way, and I, I'm sorry it came off that way. So very, very half, you know, asked apology, um, and he said um, that he was sorry, and um, that was that that apology though I don't like. 
And I actually do not think that it was a genuine one. So, um, you know, I was very upset. And so I just got upset because, you know, um, I obviously was um, not the only one he was talking to, even though he had said I was. And of course, it's expected. I don't know why I didn't think. Um, I don't know why I believed him, that was my bad. But um, yeah, I feel really dumb, really, really, really dumb. So because me and him had been friends before, we actually have mutual friends. And um, you know, we get, you know, all of us, all, you know, his mutual friends, me and him, and my friends, we all get into calls sometimes to play Minecraft together. We all just, you know, we talk and whatever, but I joined the call um, midway because I, um, I had been busy before then. And there's this guy who automatically opens up and this might have been a coincidence. I'm pretty sure it was, but this guy opens up with, oh, um, apparently we hate Alan for giving a girl more than one chocolate, that's crazy. And, you know, he says, yeah, isn't it crazy? Like, haha. I'm not sure if they were trying to taunt me or, well, now I wasn't, but at the time, it felt like they were taunting me for making the decision that I did, which was stop talking to him and telling him that I will no longer see him romantically because, you know, he didn't put in the effort that he did for the other girl. Um, and he said, oh, it's convenient, you know, we live like, we both dorm and you don't, so I gave her chocolate and I was just like, yeah, no, 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 there's no excuse. I was not giving anything and yet you gave this girl chocolates. Like I was not given a letter, a paragraph. There was just no effort. Um, really um there was no you know things given to me period so i had been i had joined the call sorry this is kind of like everywhere but i joined the call and they were talking about oh we hate alan because he gave a girl more than one chocolate haha and then the girl was like yeah haha we hate him we hate him and then he's like yeah he's an asshole we all hate him because of that and i was just like I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, cause the whole day I had been so anxious. I had wanted to throw up. Like I had been like, literally like so anxious, sad, heartbroken because I had thought, you know, like we were hitting him, we were doing so well. Like I had thought, you know, the feelings were mutual, but it didn't feel like it. I, I mean, after that, like I found out that, you know, they weren't or at least, you know, from that situation, that's what it felt like. And, um, yeah, he, he said, yeah, haha, like, can you believe? And I just, I just remember like going like, wow, that's crazy. You guys are airing out my business. Like, like it's nothing, that's crazy. I literally like, um, and then I say like, oh, I literally like can't believe like that you guys, you know, I don't know, I said like, I can't believe it, like, but then at the same time, 
I'm not surprised, to be honest. And then um, he leaves right away, and I am just left feeling angry, confused, stupid again. I feel so dumb at this point because I'm being played like a fiddle. I'm being played like a fiddle, and it's, like, embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. I feel so stupid. Like, I, okay, I know I'm not stupid, but I feel dumb from this whole thing. And so I'm being, I get angry, and then I sit, like, I get over my anger, and I realize that the, you know, the girl had been flirty with him before, and she had said, oh my god, like, punch him, haha, like, um, because he gave me more chocolates than, you know, I told him to, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe, like, blah, blah, like, right, and, um, so maybe she was, like, saying that again, and I had reacted that way, and I made myself look dumb, and so now I'm nervous that that's what happened, um, and then, um, yesterday we were all talking and uh, one of the people who were talking were saying that they were all going out to eat and I wasn't invited. Um, they made it very clear that I was not going and it feels terrible because um, I didn't ask for that, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know what's going on, but it feels really bad, and I don't know what to do. Like, I seriously don't know what to do. Like, I'm just, I feel dumb and lost, and I don't even know what to do in this situation, so, yeah. Hey, babe. Well, first of all, you're not dumb. I understand when you get embarrassed or when you feel like people are talking about you, you feel dumb and and all that stuff, like those feelings, understandable. But you know in your heart you're not. And here's what happened. What happened was you're dating somebody who is part of your friend group. He did something that you felt was crossing a boundary for you and you ended things. That's a very mature, emotionally mature thing to do because you understand the level of commitment and honesty and respect that you want out of a romantic partner and he just wasn't doing it right and so you ended it there's nothing wrong with that it's not about you not being good enough for him it's about you realizing hey this this guy isn't a good partner to you and then you're feeling sensitive about that, obviously, because it's hard. It's hard to make that step for yourself. It's hard to end a relationship, especially if they were friends and part of this group. And, and you're feeling anxious and you're getting into this Minecraft, you know, group situation. And you know he's going to be there. So, of course, it's anxiety inducing. And then you hear something that sounds like they're making light and being really insensitive about it or possibly making fun of you. So you reacted. That's totally human, totally understandable thing to happen. I mean, 
if that's what was going on, of course you felt angry and hurt. Of course, these are supposed to be your friends. Now, there's a possibility that you misunderstood the situation. But it was easy to misunderstand it. And when you said, when you got on, when you got angry, you said, I can't believe you're saying this, but honestly, I'm not surprised. And part of me is wondering if this friend group has done something in the past or has made you feel unseen or has been insensitive in the past. Or you think that anger is more directed to him, you know, like you're not surprised that he would be making fun of the situation because he is emotionally immature or doesn't care about you or you feel like he doesn't care about you, right? And he was probably feeling rejected too because you're the one who ended things. And maybe he thought it wasn't warranted. Stuff like this happens. We have conflicts with people in our lives and friends. And that's when we have to come to an understanding for ourselves. Okay, like what is the type of friend, friend group I feel like is really supportive of me, who I actually want to hang out with? And should I really be hanging out with a guy who I felt hurt by? immediately after, even if it is just online, like being able to hear his voice. Is that really something that's good for me? And if these people are really my friends, can I call one of them and talk about what happened and, you know, see if I misunderstood? Is there somebody I can trust in this friend group that cares about my side of it, that wants to know if I'm okay? Because that's what real friends are. You know, real friends are people that you're able to reach out to and come to an understanding with or talk about your hurt feelings with. That's what it means to be a friend. And if you don't feel like you have that with these people, then that's a really big red flag about are these the type of people that you really should be hanging out with and putting yourself in that position. If you can't trust that they wouldn't be making fun of you, that could be a red flag. Now, if you were just hurt and angry and you think you honestly might have misunderstood, is it possible for you to reach out to one of them, not not the guy that you're dating, but somebody else and, and be like, hey, what really happened? Like, I was upset. Like, it sounded like this was happening, right? And if you don't feel like you can even do that, then that's a red flag about what type of friendships these really are. This doesn't have to do with you not being worthy of a good romantic partner or good friends. As we get older, we grow out of certain situations. We realize we have certain needs, certain sensitivities, and you're obviously somebody who really is in tune with your needs and cares about the way that you're treated. And that's a really, really good thing. So try not to be So self-critical and see if it's possible to reach out to one of your friends, if you feel safe to, and talk about what happened and find some kind of understanding. And if it's not, just know that you can be friends with so many people. You're very sweet, creative, fun, sensitive, thoughtful, 
And sometimes social stuff is hard, right? But we always make it out the other side. Growing up is hard. Dating's hard. But we get through it. And we learn from we learn from it. And our higher self is always putting us in situations as lessons to more fully love and accept ourselves. That's the curriculum we're on right now. So when you look at it from that point of view, what what is this situation trying to teach you about how you treat yourself? How much love and acceptance you can give yourself? And what type of relationships do you really deserve? Hang in there. You'll get through it. Content warning. The following question mentions childhood sexual abuse. Hi, Bunny. I just first want to say thank you and your partner, Kara, and your colleagues for creating this beautiful space. This podcast has kept me company ever since you first came out. And I just want to say I really appreciate you and all the all the people who sent in questions. It's just such a gift. Um, so my first question um, that I'd like to post to you, it's related to my parents. Um, and it kind of relates now to my current relationship. So if you could lend an ear and any words of advice would be so helpful so little quick synopsis is that my parents separated when I was about three and right after or during their separation uh, he was accused of sexually abusing me and it wasn't my mother that accused him it was actually resulted from a CPS call that my daycare made when I was um, throwing a real a real bad tantrum whenever he would come pick me up at daycare. So that's the backstory is that he was um, stripped of any visitation or custody rights and my mom was told by the lawyers that I'd be taken away if she let him see me. Um, so I never knew him. And I didn't even know about this until I was about 12. Then once I was about 21, my father reached out to me through a mutual relative and started trying to start a relationship. Um, and. He completely denies that any abuse ever occurred. I don't have any memory of that. And I honestly, I'm at a loss for knowing who to believe. Um, I've never seen the court documents because they're sealed. But my mom and her side of the family has always just been completely loving and wonderful toward me. And I never really felt like I missed out on having a father figure. Uh, I had uncle and grandparents. And then once he came into my life, uh, 
guess it was also the a transitory period and I was just struck with a lot of anxiety and traumatic feelings of just like terror and fear and um, it's been hard for me to figure it all out because I don't I don't know who to believe you know or if I need to know the truth or not to move forward in life I would like to have a relationship with my father and my grandfather on his side and um, over the years we've like gotten together many times and I've seen him, talked to him, but it, we just never developed a close relationship. Um, and I found that I would get really upset around these communicating or visiting him. And when I tell my mom about it, she would get just, just about hysterical and that'd be a very upsetting for me as well. Um, now I'm in a relationship with a wonderful man who's got a daughter that he doesn't see and there was no allegation of abuse toward her but the mom um, there was a domestic violence situation between him and the, his daughter's mom and so she won't let him see his daughter um, and I know it's really none of my business, but I feel this urge to like relate this to him that all these years without my father in my life were, I always wondered if he really cared about me. And I always thought if he did, he would have done anything he could to see me or to, sh to prove that he cared about me. He would have made an effort. And I see this, my partner not, not making an effort, not not going, not fighting for his daughter to be in her life as like a difficult thing that she might have to struggle with in her her life. Um, so I guess my question is, do you have any wisdom or guidance on how I can move forward with with or whether I should have a relationship with my father? Um, We've just been pretty, um, pretty much not communicating these last couple years much at all. Um, and if I sh should or if there's a way to communicate to my partner, like, my thoughts about it and to, to support him in bridging that gap and having a relationship with his daughter. So, um, if... If there's anything you have to say on either one of those topics, I would be so appreciative. And thank you so much for listening and for all that you do. I appreciate you so much. Bye. Hi, my love. Well, I'm really sorry that you don't have clarity on what happened to you as a child. You don't know who to believe. And this situation is confusing and overwhelming and complicated. And it makes sense that you really don't know how to move forward in the relationship with your dad. Anybody would understand that. Anybody would feel similar to that. And I'm sorry that you've been put through this and, and you deserve to know the truth about what happened to you. 
we all deserve to know the truth about what happened to us. One of the things you didn't mention in your question was, I didn't really understand if your mom knew the truth behind it or because you said it was like the the people at the daycare that made the accusations or and it, I guess it's hard for your mom to talk about as well and and I'm just wondering if if there is any way to get a little bit more clarity from your mom that could be a viable path forward in terms of you getting more information when it comes to the relationship with your dad, I think it would be helpful to contemplate what it is that you are expecting to get from that relationship if you do get closer, if you do let him in, if you do let your guard down, if you do try to build something with him, what is it that you think you'll get out of it? What are your expectations for the relationship? Is it to finally get an answer to what happened to you by getting to know him more and realizing that he is telling the truth? Is it to have a relationship with your dad because that's what you think you should do? That's what society says you should do. You know, that that's what makes a healthy person and you don't want to feel ashamed of not having a quote-unquote normal father-child relationship? Is it because you think this relationship is going to heal that wound from you missing your dad, your entire upbringing, and him being absent? Do you think it's going to make that okay it's really important for you to think about the expectations you might have because you also have to think about, okay, what if those expectations aren't met? What if I never get the answer? What if he ends up being a jerk? What if he does something um, hurtful? How am I going to handle that? Is that going to be something that I can actually get through? Is that going to re-traumatize me? When people ask me if they should be in a relationship with a person or not, or what boundaries they should have with somebody, I always ask them, is this relationship supportive of your healing path? Is spending time with this person, trusting this person, does that help you Find more self-acceptance, more compassion, more healing, more joy? Or does it actually hinder that growth? Put you in a vulnerable place of being re-traumatized. So many of us grew up in dysfunctional family situations. And part of our healing is uncovering those wounds and seeing how those patterns or those relationship dynamics affect our relationships as adults and making those connections, connecting those dots and 
going to therapy and, and, and going through all of that stuff. And, and that's such an important part of our healing. But another really important part of that is to know that you are so much more than your childhood story. You're so much more than the things that happened to you. You're so much more than your trauma. You're so much more than your wounds. And as an adult now, you have the autonomy and the freedom to curate your life the way that you want it, to redefine family for yourself, to surround yourself in an environment that is safe and inspiring and compassionate. And you don't have to have relationships anymore that are hurtful. You don't have to put yourself in a situation out of guilt and obligation because somebody is your family member if it's not good for your emotional, spiritual, and mental well-being. And part of the path of connecting with your higher self is being grounded in who you are beyond the role that you had as a child or beyond the role, seeing other people beyond their roles. As the dad that I always wanted to be there or the mom who neglected me or, you know, the story of, of, of the role of that person and whether or not they filled it or not. And when you connect to who you are beyond your role, you're actually able to see your family beyond their role and really assess, am I really wanting to be in a relationship with this person? Like as a person? Or is it I'm trying to like finally and hopefully get them to be the person I always wanted them to be? Am I holding on to the hope that they can finally fill that role, that ideal place, the, the person they should have been? Because when we hold on to the need for our parent figures or our family to be the way we wanted them to be, we are often disappointed. And so when we think about if we want relationship with them, we have to really assess, am I... Do I really want a relationship with this person? Do I feel joy being with them? Do we have stuff in common? Is this good for me? Because now you're adults, you know? You're just two adults on your own journeys of healing, on your own journeys of unlearning, both of you. And I get the correlation with your new relationship with your new partner, and making that connection with his daughter and being able to empathize with the way his daughter might be feeling and, and wanting your partner to, to be that present father figure for his daughter that you never had. But again, I'm wondering if that is also part of the hope and the desire and the need to heal that missing part of your life by witnessing it happening through your partner and the way he treats his daughter. 
So much of our new relationships as adults are mirrored by the relationships we had with our parent figures as as children, even if our parent figure was absent. And when we still need to heal that trauma, a lot of times we we try to fix it through our new partnerships. One book I really want to recommend to you is this book called How to Do the Work. It's by the holistic psychologist, Dr. Nicole. I can't remember her last name, but I'm sure maybe a lot of you probably follow her on Instagram. She has a really popular Instagram, but she wrote this book that has a lot to do with childhood trauma and parental figures and how that affects you and and the healing. She gets really into the nitty gritty of the psychology of that. So that's definitely a book that I I recommend to you and to other people that are listening, I think can be really helpful in your situation. And another thing you can do is really open up to your partner and, and be like, this situation with your daughter is bringing up a lot for me. It's, it's hard to watch. It's triggering. It's, it's triggering my wounds and my confusion and my issues with my dad. And so it's not so much about, oh, you know the way he should be acting. It's more about this is the fears and the desires that are brought up for me when, when we talk about your situation. Because it's not the same situation. It's, it's not the same relationship. He has his own journey, his own growth. His, his daughter is a different person. His daughter is not you. So really separating your healing journey from your partners, but also opening up about when you feel vulnerable and triggered and might need a little extra support from him and asking him ways in which you can support him when he needs it. And that's really about what being in a partnership is. It's not about saying, this is what your healing journey should look like. It's about being honest when we get triggered and when we need some more support and when things are hard for us and when our wounds are showing. And and this issue is, is particularly difficult for you. And so as you continue to heal and get more understanding, read that book, talk to a therapist, you know, get more understanding as to what it is that you actually feel like you need from that relationship, if it's, is it really going to help you? So I hope that that's helpful and I'm sending you so much love and just take it one step at a time. You don't have to have the answer right now. You don't, you don't have to totally know what the right thing for you to do is. Just think about your expectations for that relationship, What would happen if those expectations weren't met? And if that's something you can really take on. All right, sending you so much love. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. I'm sending everybody so much love. Thank you to everyone who's sending in your question. Thank you to the listeners sent in your questions this week. Hang in there. We got this and we all appreciate your vulnerability, your openness and sharing your experience with us. Remember, love is always accessible. It's always there. It's a shift in our consciousness to the awareness that it is all around us. 
should we choose to see it. Don't forget it. It is the path forward, no matter what happens. I love you so much. And so does your higher self. I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.